Hello and welcome to the Mind Body Free Podcast. I am your host, Abigail Moss. I'm a shaman. I'm here to awaken the healers, to not simply teach you, but to bring you home to your own divinity, nature, and spirit, so that you may remember the depths of your own being, power, and purpose, and embody your original medicine in all that you do. This work is not for the faint of heart, but for the driven seeker who will not quit until they find what calls them. This is for those who are ready to step into their power, even though it fucking terrifies them. This is for the medicine women, the light workers, and the weary souls who've lived countless lifetimes. This is a path to mend your deepest of wounds, to remember the innocence of your nature. This is a way of embodiment, integrity, and awakening. It is a portal back to your soul and a bridge between worlds. This is where we reclaim our magic, our birthright, and our true being. A magic that was hidden for centuries by religion, madness, and fear. It is a power that stirs in our wombs and a knowing whispered by our ancestors. It is a song sung by the universe. It is our birthright, our divinity, and our being. We are here to remember it, embody it, return it to the world from which it was hidden. Welcome. This is season two, Reclaim Your Magic. So before we get started with the show today, I just wanted to make a quick announcement. So my Medicine Within Mentorship Program is now open for registration. This is a four-month healing mentorship where we're going to go really deep together and you're going to learn how to heal yourself. You're going to learn how to become free of familial, ancestral, and past life trauma, how to become free of energetic attachments, of other people's projections, of societal conditioning, of all of these things that cause pain in the mind, body, and spirit, that cause us to forget who we actually are, that cause us to play small and not go after what we want and create abundance and fulfillment in our life. The mentorship is a place to find yourself, to heal, to finally feel at home in your mind, body, and spirit, and find your peace. This is a connected, loving, and soul-nourishing community. The people in these classes become friends, lifelong friends, and bond in such beautiful ways because we go through such a deep transformation together, and there is such a safe and sacred space that is held by me, by my spirit guides, by a beautiful energy. And it often surprises me, the depth of healing and transformation and unexpected gifts that come from each class. So if you are feeling called to something more, to show up in your power, to step into what you are meant to be doing in your life, to find your peace and heal and let go of the past, let go of what's been weighing on your heart and on your body and mind then the mentorship might be for you. You can learn more at mindbodyfree.com slash mentorship. You can schedule a free discovery call with me and see if this is right for you. So without further ado, I am really excited for you guys to get a chance to hear uh, Stephanie Sarazen. She helps people heal ambiguous grief, the kind of grief where someone didn't just die, which, you know, society gets that. Everyone's kind and gives gifts and everything. But grief where it's if you're going through a divorce or, you know, any kind of end to a relationship, this is the kind of grief that she's really great at navigating in her own life. She's done a lot of this in her work herself, and she helps others with it. So we go deep. We talk about a lot of really personal stories. It is very beautiful and at times emotional, and I can't wait to let you listen. So here we go. 
All right. I am here today with the lovely Stephanie Sarazen. We were just chatting and I was like, we have to hit record now because I love this conversation and I want everyone else to get to be a part of it. So Stephanie Sarazen is a writer, researcher, and experiential expert in ambiguous grief. Her work began with her own experience of midlife trauma, which sparked an ambitious journey spiritually and around the world to understand, name, and heal the grief she found within her. Her efforts revealed a first-of-its-kind definition for ambiguous grief, whereby grief is onset by the loss of a loved one who is still living and wherein the experience of hope presents as a stage of the grieving process. I love that. Stephanie's work brings new resources to reframe disruptive, activating events as a gateway to discovering your highest self. I've definitely found that to be the case. In turn, championing ambiguous grief as a nuanced, natural, and navigable. Stephanie is the founder of Rise Up Rooted, an online resource center for those navigating ambiguous grief, a grief educator, and a TEDx curator in her community. She is a graduate of Michigan State University and earned a Master of Public Policy from the University of Chicago. In addition to being the proud mom of three, she is an avid reader, recreational runner, and aspiring camper. Inspiring camper. I love that. <laughs> uh, she, she lives in North Carolina, where she's training to trek Mount Everest's base camp. Amazing. Her book, Soul Broken, One Word, A Guide for Your Journey Through Ambiguous Grief, is published by Balance, an imprint of Grand Central Publishing, and was released in October 2022. It's currently available for order at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, and your favorite independent bookseller. And we'll get into her book and unpack all of this in a minute here. But first, I want to say welcome, Stephanie. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thanks for having me, Abigail. It's so nice to chat with you. And thank you for the important work you're doing and bringing um, these conversations to us all. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for the important work you're doing in ambiguous grief. I have to say, like, I have someone, I am someone who's felt a lot of grief in my life. And I think for me, it's a lot of past life stuff. But um, when I go into like my shadows, it's always grief that I find there. But I've also found that to be a portal to healing and really discovering who I am. So I love, could you tell me a little bit about how you got into this work and what does that look like for you? Yes. And first I have to say, you know, you just used my language, which I am <laughs> just so, I just feel so connected already. Uh -huh. um, it, grief is a portal for us if we allow it to be. And, yeah. you know, it is a portal to our greatest and highest selves if we're willing to do the work with it. Yes. And, you know, that isn't anything I could have understood, much less articulated before I had the experience myself. And it was for me, six years ago, over six years ago, my marriage of over 20 years, almost 20 years, sorry, ended abruptly. And it was uh, devastating for me. It was a marriage I loved. And was something that just shifted me cataclysmically. It was just something that shifted the floor from under me. And I did not know what was in my future. I was questioning my past. And it was just a distorted funhouse experience kind of thing where nothing uh, was as it seemed in my mind. And I, I was really struggling to reconcile my own understanding of my life and to find myself in that position in my early forties and with three children who also never did see trouble or issue or problem in the home. It was a, just a devastating shock to all of us. And in that grief, in that that time of just darkness and confusion, I really started, I started to look for others who could talk to me about a similar experience. And I couldn't find anybody, Abigail. It was, you know, yes, there are, there's plenty about a divorce. You know, you can find resources in, the, in any bookstore or online or, uh, you know, about divorce. You can find resources about death of a loved one, but to a physical death. But I was looking for somebody to help me understand how to grieve. I felt like a widow, as I imagined a widow would feel, but I didn't have any societal norms to 
to enact. I didn't have support or validation from those in my community, not because they're awful people, you know, just when you're grieving the loss of a loved one who's still living, you know, others don't know what to do either. So my process, this grieving process was ambiguous for me and uh, I couldn't find anybody to talk about it. So I started writing just as a way to help myself process and understand and find some peace. And in doing that, I had a, a couple of articles published online. And then I started hearing from others saying, yes, me too. Um, this is what happened to me. And I haven't told anybody and I'm grieving and I'm, and as these, you know, communications were coming in, I came to understand that, you know, we don't have the tools. We don't do grief really great in our society <laughs> no. as it is. And <laughs> a grief that we know is inevitable, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we're we're all going to die our physical deaths and our loved ones will die a physical death. And if we outlive them, then we will be grieving the loss of them at some point. And, you know, we have kind of a basic structure for how to, what to do when that happens, Right we've got a lot of room for growth there in my opinion, but mm-hmm. um, so if we don't do that inevitable grief really well, then it makes sense that we wouldn't do other kind of nuanced griefs well either. Um, and so in, in not having this grieving process and not knowing how to grieve, um, I found that so many people like me were isolating um, if shame and embarrassment are a part of their loss, then they're likely isolating and grieving alone. And so I started to research formally what happens in this process and what activates this grieving process. And I partnered with um, a terrific uh, therapist who had treated me for EMDR therapy, and we were no longer working together in that capacity. And I had shared with her kind of a hypothesis I had about how this, what's happening here. And, and uh, we decided to partner together to investigate more thoroughly. And we found that, you know, a discovery of a secret, a divorce, um, incarceration, indoctrination to a gang or a cult, um, dementia, Alzheimer's, addiction. These are some of the activating events that occur that can trigger the ambiguous grief experience where, gosh, that's, you know, that's my mom who has cognitive decline, you know, dementia, doesn't know my name, but she's, and I'm grieving the mother she once was and the relationship she once had, but she's no longer, we are no longer in relationship as we once were. And so how do we acknowledge our own experience as grief and how can others support us through that? And, you know, what helps to soothe us? What helps to heal? And and that became my work from there, really trying to uncover, understand and help others. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Thank you for doing this work. I, I've been nodding my head this whole time you're talking. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. And I feel like grief is something that I don't think we really understand how to navigate. And I think it's because it can be such a deep emotion. I think it's natural that we tend to protect ourselves from that. And societally, we kind of, we don't want to go there a lot of the time, but it is something that if we don't feel it, it's not going to go anywhere. And it's going to hang out in our body and possibly cause disease and illness and, you know, depression. But I love that you speak to grieving is not just when somebody dies. It's any kind of loss. And I've been through big changes in my identity. And I've had to take time to grieve who I was, to grieve not being that person anymore. And that enables me to then move forward. I used Mm -hmm. to do wedding photography as an example. And I've seen it. Was a, I think it was a Muslim wedding, and there's this really beautiful ceremony at the end where the bride is saying goodbye to all of her family because she's going to go and live with her husband, and that's like a rite of passage. And there's just so many tears, and it's so emotional and so intense, but it's beautiful because they're all feeling this wow. together, and it's this rite of passage that frees them all to then move into this yeah. next chapter so much lighter. 
because they let themselves uh, go there and they did it as community, which I think is such a beautiful example that you mentioned that was something that you were yeah. needing. It's such, it makes such a big difference when we have that. It is, it does. And, and grief needs to be witnessed. Yeah. And when we can witness and stand in witness of one another's grief, that griever is validated. That person is validated, not in, not in a way that celebrates or is happy for their loss, but their grief is validated because it is love. And we don't grieve for parts of ourselves that we're glad we outgrew. We don't grieve for our barista when they move to another (laughs) store, right? We don't grieve things that aren't full of love. We grieve what we love. And so when we're saying goodbye to parts of ourselves and acknowledging and, and aware that we're saying goodbye to ourselves as a as a woman and stepping into our role as a woman and a wife, it's okay to feel that. And they can go together. Grief can be held with love and, mm. and in my opinion, should be. And if we could teach that and share that, I think that would help it be more acceptable or people feel more accepting of it when it comes to visit them. But, you know, I love that you brought up this, this wedding experience because that's a ritual that Mm -hmm. is so important. And we've lost our rituals in so many ways, or we've replaced our rituals, you know, in ways that might not be our best, you know, helping us to our greatest and higher selves. And instead of reflecting in solitude, we're turning on a streaming service and binging, right? Mm-hmm. And that ritual replacing, you know, the reflection and solitude ritual, eh, you know, uh, may, maybe not be in our our best and greatest and highest good for in the long run. But those rituals like weddings and funerals are so important. And you know, something I, I realized as I was trying to understand this, my grieving experience was that we are so good in our culture. We're so good about celebrating beginnings. Mm-hmm. And for, for any of your listeners, you know, just take a look at social media feeds today and think about it in your awareness over the coming weeks and and take note. We are quick to celebrate our beginnings, whether it's an engagement or a gender reveal or a new business, you know, with a big scissors in the bow, um, toasts and birthdays and baby showers. And those are all beautiful, wonderful celebrations. Yes, let's celebrate that, of course. And we ritualize it, right? We have ceremonies and rituals within those ceremonies that we invite our loved ones to be part of and to witness to celebrate with us. And how amazing because we're energizing one another in such a positive vibrational way. And yet we all know that miscarriages and divorce and businesses fail and go under. And that baby we were so excited about is now struggling with addiction and has run away. And we don't post about that right? We don't post about our endings the way that we post about our beginnings. And there's a lot of reasons I'm sure why. And it's probably highly individual as to why people don't feel comfortable doing that or why we don't do it, or we don't want to be perceived, or we don't want to be talked about or for all of those reasons. But I think the more that we can find rituals and ceremonies that help our grief, our endings find witnesses, you know, who can just hold that space for us and understand our grief. You know, they don't have to have the same experience, but just to understand that we're grieving mm-hmm. and that that can really help. That would just, gosh, that would just be great, wouldn't it? It would help us all move forward and maybe be more open to understanding grief differently, maybe even welcoming it. Yeah. that's When I think about a society where that is normal, I get tears like wanting well up in my eyes because that feels so healing for all of us. And I feel like that's so what we need because whether we know it or not, we're all grieving. Like our ecosystem is changing massively. Our world is changing massively. We have changed so much that whether we've processed it or not, I truly believe that we are all in a grieving process. 
And if we could come together in this time of change, imagine how powerful that would be. He's so powerful. Oh, it, it, it feels, I mean, as you say that, I'm just tingling and it just, because yes, yes, you're, yes, that's it. And yet it also feels like such a completely parallel universe that we're not, I mean, we're not living in it, that's for sure. But yet to your point, you know, it's almost on a cellular level. Yes. Ness, our humanity, our connectedness is feeling this, you know, and the pandemic helped to really bring it into focus in all of the ways that we are grieving. People were grieving the loss of their identity when the pandemic happened and it was work from home or people were losing their positions. When a part of our identity is no longer as it once was, you know, that too can trigger ambiguous grief. It's not Mm -hmm. that the person, you know, the relationship doesn't necessarily have to die or suffer horrible break. It could also be a part of our identity that is changing. And to your point, you know, when you said, oh, that part of me was no longer. And what I've learned is that losing a job that we've loved that helped us be forward facing with an identity or our role as a parent, when children launch and and leave the nest, parents can experience this ambiguous grieving process because that happens. And that is kind of the goal, right? Is raising your child to adulthood and and then being able to be a self-supporting adult, right? But yet if our identity is tied so inextricably to our role as a mother, and now we have no one to mother in the way we once did, it's a grieving process. And many don't know that there's a name for it or a way to work through it. Yeah, exactly. A way to work through it. How How do we navigate these things? I feel like we're just, we're not taught that. I've spoken with many women who are who are going through that. Like my kid is in college. They're not calling every day the way that I'd love for them to. I don't know mm-hmm. what's like, are they going to come back? Like what's going to happen? It's like, this is normal. You know, I'm pretty sure this is normal, but I can't tell them how to navigate that. I haven't been through it, but I know so many have. Yeah. Wouldn't it be great if we talked about this kind of thing more? <laughs> yeah, I think so too. And, you know, something that helped me was once I understood how healing ceremony can be. Mm-hmm. And this came because I traveled to Costa Rica and sat in ayahuasca ceremonies and and found healing on many levels. But in kind of coming back and integrating, I understood how important the ceremony itself was to me and how that was something missing from my ending. Mm-hmm. And so I, in lieu of a funeral, you know, had my beloved died a physical death, I would have called people immediately and notified I would have held a, I would have started the funeral planning, you know, um, all of the things that we, we would do, but I did none of that. I didn't know what to do. I was in, I was feeling shame and embarrassment. I didn't notify my family for three months and I never had the public witnessing, right? So coming back from, from Costa Rica, I decided to hold my own ceremony. And I I call this, Abigail, I know it's kind of cheeky, but I call it a faux funeral. It is a funeral without a death in the physical form. Mm-hmm. But my my relationship died. My marriage died. I no longer had a husband. I was no longer a wife. That part of my identity was gone. And it had always been so crystal clear. And the future was secure and clear in that part of my identity. And then suddenly it wasn't. And so I invited only two witnesses, my two two dear friends who are more like family and who knew my marriage had witnessed it up close for all the years and were first to my side upon the news of the divorce. And, and it was beautiful and it was healing and selected music. I chose the location. It costs nothing. Anybody can create their own funeral. And really all you need is an intention and a witness. And the witness part is really important because it does so much for your heart and soul to have that grief and that love witnessed. And at the very end of my ceremony, as we were kind of getting up to go, and this was just at a a lake, lakeside um, nearby, 
you know, we were getting up to go and I received them as a widow might receive a line of people offering their condolences. And each of them hugged me and spoke kindly. They spoke so kindly about my loss. And to be seen is such a gift for another person to not try to solve your problem, not try to say what a jerk that person was who hurt you or who did whatever behavior, you know, whether it's a spouse or a child or an estrangement of any kind. We often go to kind of bashing that person as a way to show that we're a supporter, right, of our our loved one who's been hurt. And that isn't helpful. It really isn't helpful in any form. And so, you know, to to have the ceremony and at the very end to be able to receive their love was just a transformational healing point in my experience. And I, I encourage others to consider it for themselves too, if they're struggling with letting go or if they're struggling with a loss that has an ambiguous grieving process. Mm. That's beautiful. I love that. There's a lot of things I love about that. One is that you gave yourself the permission to create a ceremony. I feel like in a world <laughs> where we're needing more of them, like we just need to give ourselves permission to do one that feels right. I mean, somebody created the tradition or the the ceremony of a birthday candle and a cake and this song, right? So, like the, yeah. all, all of the rituals <laughs> that we know were created at one point by somebody. So why don't we have agency to do that? Get on it. Right. You start... Let's do it. Literally everything is made up. Everything. <laughs> everything is made up. This, we we too can make stuff up. <laughs> everything is made up and you too can create. Absolutely. <laughs> they don't tell us that. That should be like adulting 101. Right? It's all made up. It's all made up. <laughs> somebody made this up. This is official, but somebody made it up. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> I love that. And I love that you speak to the importance of the witness. I found that too. Like there's so much power in having a witness. And I found that sometimes I am my own witness, but when there is another witness there, that is so beautiful and is so validating and so connecting. Like that's such a place of intimacy. Like those are good friends that you have who are willing to be there. And like you said, not, you know, bash this person or try to pull you out of the grief and into anger instead mm-hmm. just to be there with you and to witness you there. Like it takes courage for you to go to that place in front of another. And it takes courage for them to witness you in that place. Cause that is real authenticity inside right. that vulnerability. And that's a place that very few of us go very often. That's a beautiful thing to get to share with somebody. Thank you. I think so too. And And what's another surprise from that experience for me realizing that this was healing for my witnesses too. You know, if this is, if this is somebody who you're inviting, who knew your relationship that you're grieving, they might be grieving too. They probably are, you know? And when we go to a funeral, um, you know, for a physical death, we might not be the closest person to the individual who has passed on, but we might have had a relationship with them too in our grieving, right? And so yes. a ceremony and a ritual isn't just for the closest person. It, it's for it's for everybody. And if, yeah. and even if we go as a you know sign of solidarity or because we think it's good etiquette or, well, I need to show up because that's my neighbor, even though I didn't know their mother kind of thing, it teaches us how to grieve, right? And and mm-hmm. And shows us by model, what grieving looks like for others. Exactly. We're always teaching each other, Mm. you know, how to do things, what's okay. And you spoke to, you touched on the feeling of shame with that. And Arch Brene Brown says, shame is something we all have. And the less we talk about it, the more of it we have. Yes. (laughs) And and it's like these ceremonies and speaking about it, it it gives a place for this experience. It gives it a place where it belongs yeah. and it makes it okay. Cause we are all going through this kind of stuff, but when we don't talk about it, there's this feeling of 
have I done something wrong? Right. Is this my fault? There's nowhere for this to, there's nowhere for me to feel this. There's nowhere this belongs in society or in my life. And that's where the shame comes in. That's where it gets stuck. Right. It's like, it feels like you're giving it a place where it belongs and it can be felt and it can move the way it needs to move and be honored. Yeah, absolutely. And, and what is to be, what is to feel shameful about love? You know, if you're grieving, you know, I don't say this, I want to say this, but I don't say this as I greet people in their grief. You don't say this right away, but well done. Well done. Mm. Because that means you opened your heart to love and you let it in Mm -hmm. and you loved Mm -hmm. and it is equal and opposite. It's Newton's third, third law, right? It is the equal and opposite reaction. We grieve proportionate to our love and love doesn't leave us and neither does grief. But we learn to carry it differently when we can talk about it. And I, Brene Brown has taught me so much as well about, about shame and en- embarrassment. And something she says, too, uh, as you've probably heard, is that shame cannot survive with empathy. And mm. if we don't address it, right, shame will grow and fester. And it will eventually come out sideways somehow. But if we mm-hmm. douse that shame with empathy, then it stops growing. And to your point, a a ceremony gives us the opportunity to give empathy to the person feeling shame so that they're, they're not in judgment, that they are seen. Mm -hmm. And again, if we're scrolling through our streaming services and not sitting in other forms of ritual, how do we do that? How do we show up for others with, with that real, true, authentic empathy? Absolutely. That's beautiful. And it's, I feel like this is the kind of thing that really has the power to heal the world. <laughs> you know, it's, it's such a broad thing to say, but I feel like I can, so many of us, I think the whole world kind of needs this right now. Um, yeah. It reminds me, my dad passed away two years ago and getting to witness, I didn't see him come into the world, obviously, but the full circle of his soul leaving this world, uh, just how much that cracked my heart open. And I would cry lots and lots. But with that, it was just such a huge feeling of love. Mm-hmm. And it felt like it was this breaking open of my heart so that it could be a witness and so that it could hold the greater depth of love that I had for this, mm-hmm. this being. And it's such a profound incredible, huge thing. <laughs> and the, the grief is, it feels like the iceberg of the love that's underneath it. And it's just, it's just, it's just going right into the heart. And I feel like that's the place where I like to live, try to live, mm-hmm. but we get so much armoring and so many things to protect ourselves from feeling this. But you mentioned in the beginning, it's a portal and we let ourselves dive into that portal. I really believe that at the other end of it, what we find is so much love. And that's the, what needs to come through, I think, to bring healing to the grief and to the pain. And if, if I don't stay in my heart in those places, if I get into my head, oh, excuse me, into my ego, that's where like the, you know, the anger, the thoughts, everything mm-hmm. it just feels like shit. Yes. <laughs> but when, it's not where oh. I want to be. But when I get into my heart, that's where I'm like, okay, this is really, this is this place that I'm meant to be right now. Yes. And it's not easy for me anyway, to quickly pull myself out of my head and into, into my heart. But I have gotten Mm. much better at being aware that I'm there. Right. So Mm -hmm. I think even just having, getting to a point where you build awareness to say, Oh gosh, oh gosh, I'm, I'm thinking about this. I'm not feeling this. Right. And Mm -hmm. that's not where I want to be, you know, as it relates to, to grief and ego and, grief is, is the invoice that we get from love, right? (laughs) It is Mm -hmm. time to pay up. Right. And, and only, and when I started thinking about it this way, I realized when you're in a loving relationship with somebody, your dad, thank you for sharing about your dad and that they pass on, um, or the relationship breaks and there's, you know, an ambiguous grieving process, whatever the case is, wherever that loss occurs, only one of us pays it, right? It's like one of us gets stuck with the tab. You know, you've throughout the course of your relationship, you've been building and building and building the relationship in millions of moments together, 
right? And mm-hmm. then when that relationship is is no longer as it once was, in the in your case, it's a it's a physical passing on. So you're you've got the tab to pay, Abigail, and and it's very rare that both people pass at the same time, you know, or in the same finite space, mm-hmm. and and they don't really have to grieve it, but it feels super unfair and like you're kind of getting stiffed here, but that's in my head. Right. And when I can drop into my heart, I, it's such an honor. It's really such an honor to, um, to pay this invoice because it's the other side of love and, Mm. um, it's a beautiful gift. It is a beautiful gift. I feel like you mentioned earlier, the importance of having a witness. I feel like when, it's like we get to, when we're paying the tab, we're kind of, we're being the witness for them, whether it's, if it's death, their soul leaving this world, or if it's the end of a relationship, we're holding space and being a witness for that. Um, and I know that someday someone, I'm going to, someone else will be paying my tab. <laughs> yeah. I'll get to pay that tab forward. <laughs> if we're lucky, if we're lucky, yeah. right? Because that means somebody yeah. loved us. Oh, totally. what else do we want? Right. And so, yeah. you know, it's, if we can kind of shift the conversation from, you know, getting stuck with the tab to it's my honor to, (laughs) it's my honor to, to grieve Mm -hmm. this love. Right. Then um, Mm -hmm. I think we can shift our, our consciousness. Absolutely. It's beautiful. And I feel like that healing can happen anytime we choose to acknowledge it, you know, to, to, to bring awareness and to bring ceremony to these, these shiftings to this loss. Like, I had, um, my mom had a still, stillborn baby before I was born and my family never spoke of it. Mm-hmm. There was never a funeral. I don't know what happened with the ashes. <sighs> and, uh, so I came into this world with this family where there was this pain that I didn't understand because it was never spoken about, acknowledged. They didn't, mm-hmm. my mom didn't know how to heal that pain. Mm-hmm. She didn't have support for it. And it wasn't until a couple of years ago, I was talking with my therapist and it came up and she had said, oh, this family system is off because I have an older sister. She's like, you are the third daughter. You had a sister who came before you. And even as I say that, I get emotional because to me, it's such a soul, visceral body feeling to acknowledge that. Like, oh, you're right. I'm not the second daughter. I am the third daughter. She came before me. And like, just speaking about that, it's just, it just so much healing to me and to like the energy of my family as I feel I belong in it. And that healing can happen anytime, even if they weren't ready to deal with it, then I can feel that in me now. And it's such a powerful thing. Well, what a gift for your sister. Yes. You know, her name is Deirdre and just acknowledging her and I connected with her spirit and just feels like she was witnessed, you know, she was here and she has, she still has a place in this family. What a gift. Oh, thank you for sharing that. That's uh, so beautiful. And God bless our our mothers and the generations before mm-hmm. who didn't have the language or the understanding or the support or just any of it to yeah um to feel anything more than they did, which was so little, right? Yeah. So thank you for yeah. bringing bringing language to that and um, keeping Deirdre here. Thank you. Thank you for being a witness to that. <laughs> this is just, thank you for doing this work. You know, this is so powerful. This is such beautiful work. It's such heart work, the language of love. I really believe. Thank you. I so appreciate that. Truly. <laughs> yeah. And there are so many different modalities for healing. And to your point, so many ways we can find it. And what worked for me, what's working for me, what didn't work for me, doesn't, doesn't, isn't the blueprint for anybody else, right? We each have to find our own way. And I think we find it in tiny increments, not always giant steps. So that can happen too with gifts of just downloads and knowings and certain understandings, which I've been able to experience. But, you know, for the large part, letting go and and healing is work that just goes on in perpetuity, right? And that's okay. And we can find it in little ways. And I think even if we are willing to be willing to heal, then we're healing, Mm. right? We can, we can walk just a baby step forward on that path 
by saying, you know what, I'm, I'm pretty mad right now. I don't want to deal with this right now. Or I don't know. I don't want to talk about it now, but I'm, I'm willing to later, you know, even to have that dialogue yes. with yourself, um, a good place to start. So for anybody listening, it's not, it's not a Herculean effort that you decide to undergo and then is done in a linear way, you know, in a three to six month time by this and that formula, <laughs> right. Um, which yeah. is what I started out looking for. Like I'm laughing, mm. I'm laughing with others, not at others who might be nodding along, right? And it's, ha, mm. ha, huh, huh, that is not how it's done. Um, mm. And thank goodness it's not how it's done because it's different for all of us. It's unique to each of us and it's our our own work here to do. Nobody else's. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you for saying that. It does look different for all of us and it isn't linear. And I don't think there's any wrong way to grieve. But I think like you said, the most important thing is like the willingness to keep, you know, to keep going. And however that looks in the moment, if it's not right now, okay, but agreeing to do that when it when you're ready. Yeah. And when you really want, you know, when you get to a place where you're desperate to feel better, whether you're you're mm-hmm. depressed and you don't know why, or you're grieving a, a loss and you do know why, you know, you're just sick of feeling down and angry or hurt, or just follow your intuition, follow that part of you that tells you what soothes your soul, what you need. Get And we can't do that if we're just inundated with noise and noise pollution, right? So just being able to get quiet in meditation or prayer, get quiet in deep breathing, even for an, a minute to, to tune into what does soothe us, whether it's a cup of tea or you know, something, a, a hot bath we can do for ourselves in our own home or plant medicine in the jungle, whatever it is that is tapping you, that is calling you, trust yourself to tune in and and trust yourself to get curious about it. And I think that we know, our souls know what we need for healing. But again, we get, we override it with, you know, our intellect and what we know. And, um, but again, it's all made up, right? We're fired because somebody made up that this is how it goes and this is what you need. And this is appropriate and not appropriate and frowned on and not frowned on. So get quiet and see what you need and trust it. And you'll find your, your own unique blueprint to healing. Mm, That's beautiful. There's a song lyric. They said, I'd rather feel pain than nothing at all. Mm. And that's like mm-hmm. getting into the heart might not feel good for a while. It might hurt. Yeah. But when you get into that space, then you also open up to more joy, more connection, more sense of <sighs> self, more sense of beauty in the, the world around you. And like, you, I don't know, you mentioned you went and did ayahuasca in the jungle. That was a huge part of my healing path to get into the heart, to get into the spirit. Yes. So it, it can look so many different ways. <sighs> but, Absolutely. but tell me about... Tell me about your book. Yeah. Oh, Soul Broken. It is. And so um, Soul Broken was, uh, you know, the result of my healing experience. And it is the book, the guidebook I was looking for all those years ago when I was feeling so lost and alone and not knowing what to do in lieu of a physical death and yet feeling so much grief. I certainly share some of my story, but I share the stories. Each chapter shares shares a story of another individual who um, I've worked with who's experienced ambiguous grief from a different activating event, whether it's um, estrangement, you know, a, a daughter who no longer uh, will see her father and he's not quite sure why in uh, his grief experience, Alzheimer's and, you know, aging parents are talked about as well. Uh, incarceration. You know, I spoke to several women who were experiencing the incarceration of their husband, uh, one of whom, um, not the one in the book, who's amazing and and has a terrific way forward, but another woman who said her husband had been incarcerated for three years and she had not told anyone. Oh my God. And she was just buying time. And the pandemic really helped kind of move, keep, keep her cover, right? Um, because of the shame and embarrassment. And so each chapter uh, is a different person's story. And each chapter includes uh, different modalities for healing, you know, that I learned or 
I've learned from others. And, you know, my hope is that the book can, you know, just be a touchstone for others who do feel so lost and alone and open their, their eyes to different things. I couldn't even pronounce ayahuasca when Mm. I first learned about Costa Rica and knew that I had to go to this place. And if we can stay open to all things, all modalities, we will find a way through our healing. And for me, on the very first night of ceremony with the medicine, with the plant medicine, I had an incredible experience. I would have called it awful before that because there was so much purging, but it was really, it, it, the plant medicine worked just as, as we know she does. And I cried, I wailed through most of the ceremony, which lasts for hours, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, toward the end, toward the very end, I had a life-changing experience. And I do not use that term lightly at all. I had a life-changing experience with um, an incredible embrace from God, source, source energy, spirit, um, the universe, however, whomever that is to you. And a very clear, distinct, crisp voice that said to me, from me, you are not heartbroken, you are soul broken, come back tomorrow. And I did. And, you know, to I in the book, I define soul broken, you know, much like being heartbroken, but to be soul broken is to be filled with anguish that is onset by the loss of our love and the loss of ourselves, our relationship, and it's often void of validation. And when we are in that space of being soul broken, we are disconnected from ourselves and from one another and from the universe, spirit, source, energy, God. And in order to plug in and connect again, we we have to we have to heal and um the good news is that uh it's possible it's possible and it starts with just being willing to be being willing mm. oh that's so beautiful it is uh, thank you for saying too that it's possible i feel like that's one of the stories that comes into the mind when you're really in that deep place where you're really going into those depths is like, you're going to be here forever. This is no solution. You're never going to, other people might be able to heal, but not you. Right. <laughs> and that's one of the, those, one of those, when you can break through that belief, exactly. Oh. But when you and open your mind, when you free your mind from that, then all the possibilities open to you because of course it's possible. Everything is possible. Right. Point number two, they don't tell us in adulting, right? Is yeah. that <laughs> those are just your thoughts. It doesn't mean they're, yes. they're true. Right? <laughs> what? what? <laughs> wait, wait, that's made up. That thought's not true. <laughs> not necessarily. Oh, right, right, right. Like, doesn't that, that's so freeing. I love um the work of Byron Katie, oh. where she will, she challenge, she teaches you how to challenge your beliefs called the work, her mm-hmm. system, where, man, that's another way of just a, a portal going into the soul. So, yeah, I found that really helpful when I'm in those thoughts that I could not like. Yes. And it's not easy, <laughs> but it's worth it. Exactly. That's why she calls it the work and all of the stuff is it's not easy, but this is the, this is the pressure. It's the fire that forges us. This is what causes our soul to come back into wholeness. It's the evolution of our soul. Like in shamanic work, like soul broken, I resonate with that because it is when we go through these traumas, it's like a fracturing of the soul and bringing it back together. It means coming out of numbness and into feeling. And that is I'm going to be pretty uncomfortable for a while, but the other side of that is the reunion with yourself, with spirit, universe, God. And that is really what I believe being here is all about is for me anyway. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And you know, I learned this from you, Abigail. I heard you say it. It isn't pretty, but it's beautiful. Yeah. (laughs) I like that. I, I remember saying that, but I like that. (laughs) Thank you. I'm going to agree with that still. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Very wise. Very wise of you. It isn't pretty. Um, <laughs> others may need to look away. We may need to look away. But yeah. the, the net of it is a beautiful unfolding and a reunion with self. Exactly. And um, if that is what we are all 
here to do and to learn. Got to be willing to be willing to start and, uh, mm-hmm. and you will be. Yeah. Yes. Oh, Beautiful amen. work. Where can people find you, Stephanie? I have uh, a website. My name is stephaniesarazin.com. I'm a certified grief educator and grief recovery specialist. So I, I work one-on-one with individuals going through grief. Awesome. I don't like to call myself a coach. I'm more of a guide helping people um, and small groups, um, facilitating small groups to better understand grief. If you're not somebody going through grief, but you're somebody who works with a lot of people, I can work with organizations to introduce grief in a way that maybe hasn't been introduced before and just start talking, getting people talking about uh, grief in a different in a different language, in a different light. Uh, so we're not so afraid of it, really. And also, I'm on social media, not a ton, but on Instagram, I'm stepping, S-T-E-P-H-I-N-G, underscore through, T-H-R-U. And um, my book is Soul Broken, a guidebook to your journey through ambiguous grief. And for anybody who's listening, I hope it finds you and you find it when needed. And the title of the book here, as you can see, is Soul Broken. I just want to point out the path that you see behind the artwork. I think the artist did just such a beautiful job in really speaking the language and understanding that it is a journey and one well worth taking. So I do hope the book finds those who need it. Thank you for doing this work. And I feel like, I think we kind of touched on it in the conversation that addressing grief differently is a systemic thing within our whole society. And I love that you're working with people individually, as well as, you know, coming into organizations to to shift our perspective and relationship with it there too. So thank you for doing this work. I'm going to put all the links in the show notes as well. And it's just been such a treat. I feel like I could talk to you all day. I I just love your energy and I love what you do and your message. Same, same. (laughs) Thank you. Keep keep recording, keep interviewing. Um, Your guests are terrific and and always get me thinking. So I'm honored and delighted to be sitting on the other side of the microphone with you today, Abigail. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy that episode with Steph as much as I did. I love the work that she's doing in Ambiguous Grief. And you can check out the links in the show notes if you'd like to work with her or check out her book. Sounds really powerful. And one more announcement, in case you haven't heard, I have a free Facebook group where I'm sharing a ton of education and value all around coming home to your mind, body, and spirit and becoming a healer to yourself. So if you'd like to be a part of the magic, you can check out the link in the show notes to join the HeartSpace Facebook group for spiritual seekers. Thank you so much for listening. If you love this episode, please share it with anyone you think would benefit from it. Drop a review. It really helps to get these messages out there. And if I don't talk with you before the holidays, have an amazing Hanukkah, Christmas, all of the beautiful Yuletide celebrations. I always find this time of year so very special and we're moving into our winter solstice, the darkest day of the year and the time for being deep within ourselves and planting new seeds for what's to come. So what's to come for you? I wonder. Sending you my love. Until next time.